kind of a little mini vacation for the weekend, something I don't get to do very much, and that's get away for even a couple of days, uh, unless it's for work, and that's never usually pleasurable, that's just work, and um, you know, the Bible is very specific, if you don't work, you don't eat, and I'll tell you folks, I've been around a lot of homeless, I've worked in the shelters because of my years of drug addiction, homelessness is very important to my wife and I as a ministry. Um, my friend and I, we sleep down at the homeless shelter in the winter times or a couple weeks out of the year. Um, but in the shelter, I find there are people who use and abuse the system as much as I find people who are down on hard times, along with those who are mentally are not able to work. And um, I've learned not to allow the actions of some to ruin the compassion that the poor generally uh, deserve and need. Um, but it also means that you have to be discerning when looking at things and make sure that you don't enable people to continue in the same path. I do believe that we are being enabled today too often as believers to continue down a path of destruction that is leading too many people to this false gospel that. As long as I just say the name of Jesus, it's all I got to do, and I'm saved, and I can live just like the devil, and everything else is fine. But because the pastor told me all I had to do was say the sinner's prayer, and I would be saved. Now listen, folks, there is nothing you will ever do to earn salvation, because you cannot earn it. That would mean God owed you a debt. But at the same time, you can't live like the devil and think that it's okay to walk um, in in the shadow of Satan and claim the name of Jesus at the same time. That is not what God's calling us as believers to do. But unfortunately, because of this false gospel that's being preached, too many people uh, believe this madness when holiness is what God is about. And it's not something you can do in your own power. It is, it's not something in your own strength. But it is something that by beholding him, by seeking his face, we become transformed into. Does it mean we might fall? Sure. Does it mean we may make a mistake? Yes, we do that. But we repent. We, we ask God to forgive us. And we and we ask for the grace and the mercy not to do it anymore. And we stay on the path. Um, we don't get sidetracked by our sins, which lead to destruction. Instead, we recognize them. We bring them up. We confess we don't have the strength. And we see, God, without you, we cannot. But with you, we can overcome all things. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we bring this program up tonight, I pray that you would bless it by the power of your spirit. Because I've asked it in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. You know, it was not... Looking at history uh, and, and looking at the fall of a nation, it was <clears throat> not the pagan worship that ultimately destroyed ancient Babylon. It wasn't the throwing the three men in the fiery furnace, um, a.k.a. the persecution of believers that sealed the deal. It wasn't even that the king set up his own statue to be worshipped as a god that brought Babylon down. No, it wasn't. What brought Babylon down 
was the day that they decided to intermingle the worship of Yahweh with the worship of the devil. Belshazzar thought that somehow it was okay to mix the holy things of God with the worship of false idols, the gods of gold and all the gods of the Chaldeans, that somehow he could take the holy things from the temple and intermingle them in and call it worship that brought Babylon to its knees. You see, the problem we're facing right now in this hour is we are opening up the door to false worship with the devils and we are intermixing it with worship of Yahweh and we are calling it holy, somehow self-justifying. And I believe that the reason this happens, it, it often believers don't want to necessarily go there in the beginning of their walk. It's not that they desire to end up there. Now, if you've been taught under from the beginning of false gospel, I can see how you easily uh, get to that point. But many times it comes from a result of sacrificing the things of God. And when I mean say sacrificing, I mean sacrificing the time spent with the things of God. You see, you remember when Jesus was born, there were two prophets there at the temple, um, Simeon and Anna. And Simeon had been promised by the spirit of the living God that he would not die. He wouldn't give up the ghost until he got to see the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. It was the thing that was worth living for, that, that, that he would be able to see the Savior of the Almighty. And, and he got to and, and, and had a prophecy. It was wonderful that what he spoke about, his, the salvation that his eyes had been able to see and he foretold and how God had prepared um, before the face of all the people a light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory of the people of thy people Israel, he said. And you can see that everything in Simeon's life was about the Almighty. That's what mattered. And Anna also the same way. And, and listen to what it says about Anna. This is I love this. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. This woman had been a widow the majority of her life, fourscore and four, 84 years. And the Bible says that all she cared about was serving the Lord in the temple with prayers and fastings and seeking God's faith because to her, that's what mattered in life. And God rewarded both of them with being able to hold the Messiah in their hands. What a glorious gift. But they themselves were not willing to open a door to anything else, nor were they willing to allow anything else to take away from their time with the Lord. Well, tonight, 
I want to share a program that I shared back in 2021, early in 2021, I believe it was sometime around there, on the abomination of desolation. And folks, I it's the kind of program I need to hear for myself over and over again. I believe it's so in times for the hour we live in and the dangers of what can happen. What can befall those who even call themselves remnant believers when they allow certain things to creep in and neglect the things of God? The abomination of desolation, which we all know about. When years ago, I found out that we as believers can actually commit the abomination of desolation. You Listen, we know about the prophecy, but I want you to listen in. This program is a game changer because it will remind us and show us how important in this hour, and I'm telling you folks, this is an end time show if I've ever had one, that we need to be so close to God. Here it is, the abomination of desolation. Well, tonight I want to speak about the abomination of desolation. For the prophecy students, you know that there is many interpretations of the abomination of desolation. Some believe it is a future event where the third temple will be built and uh, the Antichrist will sit down and, and you know, goes on and on. And then there's the, there's the, uh, the historicist view of it, that it happened back in Antiochus uh, Epiphanes' days. And that was when it was, when it was uh, actually done in, in some of the historical writings and Josephus and other, they believed it was back in that time. And, and there's a lot of different interpretations of the abominations of desolation, but that's not what I want to talk about tonight. I don't want to talk about a futuristic event, which I'm not saying is not going to happen. I don't want to talk about it as it was in the past, like it didn't happen either. What I want to talk about is the abomination of desolation happening right now, possibly in your life, even it happens some has happened happened even in my own life at times. Yes, it has happened. The abomination of desolation is being committed by so many people right now that are calling themselves believers. It is horrible and we better understand it. Well, if you don't remember the abomination of desolation, Daniel 11, 31, let me refresh your memory. And arms shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. You also remember in the New Testament, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand it. Folks, I am not against a futuristic interpretation of this uh, scripture. What I'm trying to say is I'm not talking about that right now. I want to go into the rhema word of this prophecy tonight, what is underneath But in order to do that, we've got to go back and understand what was a part of the abomination? What did it it have to do with? Well, it had to do with the daily sacrifice. Exodus 29, uh, verses 38 through 39 says this, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. So you can see that God had set it up originally that there was to be a daily sacrifice, one that happened in the morning, 
and one that happened in the evening. The 2300-day uh, prophecy in Daniel actually the literally says not 2300 days. It actually says 2300s evenings and mornings. We're talking about a daily sacrifice again. Here we are talking about this perpetual sacrifice that was to be taken on around the clock. Where was this sacrifice to be offered? Well, Exodus 29 verse 42 tells us, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto you. So this sacrifice was to happen at the door. Now you remember who is the door? I am the way, the truth, the light. I am the gate. We're talking about Yeshua here. This sacrifice with this door where the Lord was to meet, it was there that this was supposed to be happening at so that he could speak unto the people there. He would speak through Moses' prophet. He tried to speak to the people one time at Sinai, but they asked him, please don't ever let him speak to the people again. You might remember that story. What were the fruits, benefits, and blessings of this altar and daily sacrifice? Well, this is what came along with it. Exodus chapter 29, uh, verses 41 to 45. And the other lamb thou shalt offer at even, and shalt do thereunto to the meat offering of this morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. So what were the blessings? Well, the blessings were simply this, relationship with God. At this place of sacrifice, the Lord would meet there to speak with his ministers, to speak with his people. And not only that, but there would be sanctification that would be taking place there. A setting apart unto holiness would happen there. And it would be the place where these sacrifices were happening, that that was that place where God would be there and dwell with the children of Israel. Now, you may look at some of these sometimes and you say, well, this was just for the ministers. Folks, if you haven't read the new covenant, we are all now ministers of the new covenant. We all have the ability to share. I'm not saying there's not different gifts and, and leadership in, inside of, uh, of the Lord's church. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the right to minister and be priests, a royal priesthood. That is now the opportunity for all of us because it's desperate times we need to get the work out in the word to everybody that Yeshua is coming again. So during the times of sacrifice, remember sanctification, setting apart to holiness was happening there at that place. And so you look at this and I ask the question to myself, could this entire plan still be in place today? Is it possible that the daily sacrifice has never actually been taken away? 
Now, I'm not talking about you needing to sacrifice animals here to get rid of your sin and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But is the sacrificial system as a new covenant believer still in place? Do we still have a tabernacle today? Well, let's look and see what the Word of God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17 says this. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So here we see that the temple is actually still in place right now. It's us, our bodies, and the Lord dwells in his temple, which is us. His spirit dwells there with us and he doesn't want us to defile his temple. Because the Lord's temple is holy, and in God, when he is in his temple, he does holy things. He does holy things no matter where he is, but he expects his dwelling place to be holy. It's made holy by his presence, but don't defile his temple. Don't bring things into the temple that he detests and that ruin his temple. There's a lot of things out there that ruin the temple. From the health choices we make to the uh, physical choices we make, and especially to the spiritual choices we make. So we know that there's a temple. It's still standing today. But is there still a daily sacrifice? And if there is, how can we offer that sacrifice? Well, I would direct you to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So yes, right here, the apostle Paul, under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that yes, our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. If you remember, they sacrificed living animals, and we also are a living sacrifice unto God. But how how do we make sacrifices in the new covenant? How do we make it as New Testament believers? First Peter 2.5 says this, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now here, Peter is trying to reference us back. This is imagery that he and everybody understands. This is the imagery that they taught the Bible from the Old Testament. Folks, they didn't have the New Testament. They taught the, the Bible from the Old Testament because believe it or not, it's actually one book. Okay. It's one book or maybe different covenants, but the same book. So the imagery he is speaking here of the sacrificial system is resonating with these new covenant believers as Peter's explaining to them. But now as priests, instead of offering up a physical lamb and, and a physical dirtle doves and things like that, we are now offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord. Psalm 51, uh, 16 and 17 says this, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. 
that brokenness, which we've known from reading in Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, when God talks about singing over his people. If you read the verses right after that, you know why he's singing over his people? Because he found a group of people who are gathered together in a solemn assembly because the reproach of this world was a burden unto them. And they got together and they were fasting and praying and crying out because the sin of the world was too much. They were broken over what was going on. And God's people are broken and their spirits and their hearts are contrite. And when God sees that, it says he doesn't despise those sacrifices. He is well pleased at because folks, let me tell you right now, when you begin to share the very heart of God, you will be broken over the sin that is going on in this world right now. You will be broken over what is happening right now. You will be broken by the homosexuality and the bestiality and the and the abortion and everything that is going on in the vile, uh, porn, you know, pornography and everything. I mean, the sins are it's 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 unbelievable what's going on today. I've said before, if pornography was available when I was young, like it is today, I don't know if I could have survived. I don't know if I'd have made it. I remember when I was a little kid, just to find something, a, a, a dirty book, it was like contraband. You know, it was like someone would have it and they would hide it and br- make you go into a dark corner to almost look at it and see it and shut it up real quick. It was like a nuclear bomb. But today it's everywhere and nobody even blushes anymore because it's a part of our society. But the people of God are broken over it and those sacrifices of a broken heart and the wickedness of this world and the trials and the trauma of what it means to be a believer and the persecution and the people of calling you names and stuff. It breaks the heart of God's people. And I believe it breaks his heart also. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So here, elaborating in the book of Hebrews, that that the daily sacrifices are also about giving praise. And folks, when you stop praising in your life, when you stop giving thanks to God and, sh- and and singing and praising his holy name, we actually can begin to, uh, to commit this abomination of desolation by taking away the daily sacrifice in our own lives and the thing that we keep looking for that's coming in the future. We keep talking about the abomination of desolation. Actually, we end up committing ourselves while we are at the same time looking for a prophecy to be fulfilled. We are fulfilling the prophecy in our own lives and it's a shame, and we need to wake up to it now. When you stop praising the Lord, something in you will begin to die. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Godly music brings about godly things, but ungodly music brings about ungodly things. So if you're listening to some godly, biblical Christianity, Bible-believing music, I'm telling you, peace will come over you. King David would play before Saul, and when he played, the devil would be driven out because he couldn't stand in the presence of holy music. But when you're listening to this ungodly music, let's not even talk about the rock and roll we all uh, that's going on in this world. We know about that. I'm talking about this fake 
false so-called Christian praise music that sounds just like what you were listening to when you were in the clubs and when you were out partying and they're calling it Christian with the most disgustingest lyrics of some uh, cheesy God that it sounds so weak. I don't even, this is not the God of the Bible that they're talking about. This is some other false God that they've made up in their mind to appease and justify their music. So like in Nebuchadnezzar's day and they set up his, his image that he would have them fall down when they heard all that wonderful Babylonian music and then worship. Folks, we do not listen to the music of Babylon. It is the music of God that drives the devil out. And if it's not the music of God, then it will bring the devil right in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. See what he's saying here? We thank God without ceasing. Here it is, that continual sacrifice of praise, of being thankful to God. First Corinthians 15, 31 says this, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Oh my, hallelujah. I die daily, daily sacrificing of the flesh It begins every morning when you wake up, when we surrender it to the Lord, when we give it over to God to take control of the flesh, when we give it up, we die daily to ourselves so that we can be fully alive unto the Lord. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. There it is, that daily prayer, sacrifice, Praying without ceasing. It's the same language again as the daily being talked about here as new covenant. First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. The sacrificial system, folks, it is still fully in place as a new covenant believer. It hasn't changed. It's spiritual though now, but we must still offer these sacrifices. But what happens when we stop our daily sacrifice? I love this story in Samuel because it's a reminder of how important it is to pray. First Samuel twelve twenty three says this, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin. Did you hear that? Sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Samuel said it would be sin for him to stop praying. That is reverence for the word of God. And reverence is a word that is not talked about anymore because to reverence God is somehow seemed to be, to be bad, reverencing him in his holy sanctuary, reverencing in him in his holy temple. No, we don't do that anymore because that is considered to be too old school and old fashioned. And here the reverence Samuel had for the absolute privilege of being allowed to pray. He said it would be sin for him to stop. Oh, how if we took our calling as serious as Samuel took his calling. Proverbs 28.4 says this, they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. See, when we stop obeying, 
When we stop following the things that God says to do, you know what happens? We, you know, you, did you hear what it said? It said, they that forsake the law praise the wicked. Yes, we will start to praise things and to do things that are contrary to God when we stop following his commands and what he says to do. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And you know what happens when you stop the praise and you stop doing the things you will begin to develop a heart of unbelief, of questioning and doubting. Now, the good news is this. God doesn't give up even when we have. God doesn't quit even when we've messed up. God doesn't just give up on you because you made a mistake. Oh, no, he, quite the contrary, he keeps coming. But he will only be a gentleman when it comes to salvation. He will not force you. But if you cry out, he will certainly come. Hebrew or Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19 says this, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. This is what happens and results when we step away from the daily sacrifice of God. Folks, do you know sin is not the problem? Sin is not the problem. Listen to me closely. Sin is the result of the problem. See, the problem started back in the Garden of Eden. The problem was a broken relationship with God. And when they got away from God and began to listen to another, it resulted in sin. So quit trying to attack the sin. Quit trying to fix the sin and begin to fix the problem. The problem is a broken walk with God. The result of the problem is sin. But if you can fix the problem, if like John the Baptist said, it's time to lay the ax to the root. If you can lay the ax to the root and get down to the real problem, and that's the walk with God, the relationship is fixed, the sin will go away. You see, God doesn't want us to live in sin. He is greater than that. He cares about us. He wants to change our heart, but we can't change it by simply fighting the sin. We must repair the relationship that starts with sacrifice of prayer, praise, thanksgiving, worship, continually, dying daily. These are the things that we do, and we rebuild the relationship with God. Because in the sacrifice, do you remember what he said back in the beginning? It is in that sacrifice is where we meet the Lord and sanctification takes place. The same thing that happened in Exodus is the same thing that happens with us when we begin to practice his sacrificial laws as new covenant believers. We begin to build our relationship, and that's where sanctification and speaking with God happens. Now, check this out. I love the temple 
service of God. You can learn so much from what took place in the temple. The temple is filled full of so much symbolism, so much deep meaning. But Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 says this, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You see, when you are praying, when you're seeking the Lord, when you're praying out, God says, this is a sweet, this is like being a priest in the temple and you're burning the incense before the Lord. Your prayers are going up as a sweet savor and he smells before your prayers. And they're sweet in his nostrils because he loves the prayers of his saints. And he dwells in the midst of the sacrifice because he is the ultimate sacrifice. I speak this as a warning tonight. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none, findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then he go, then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So here he's talking about when deliverance, when you've had that breakthrough and the devil's cast out and he goes around, he has nowhere to go, but he comes back around after a while and he sees that you've cleaned the house up, but you failed to fill it with anything. And when he sees it empty, he says, you know what, guys, come on, let's grab some friends. We're about to have a party. You see, the best way to drive the devil out and keep him out is by filling your tabernacle filled full of the sacrifices and the praises of God because the devil can't dwell in the midst of that. He hates it. He can't stand it. And it doesn't sit well with him. That's why when the godly music is playing, he has to flee because godly music praise drives him out. Don't let this be you. And if it has been, there's good news. God is calling us back to the altar, back to the sacrifice, back to starting it all over again. And I want to talk to you right now. Maybe you've fallen by the wayside. Folks, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my great periods of time where I've been on top of everything. I've been doing my devotions, working, you know, studying out, seeking the Lord with all of my heart. And then there are times when I get wrapped up in the cares of this world and work and everything else. And then all of a sudden I realize that I've neglected the things of God. And when I realize I've neglected the things of God is because everything else begins to fall around, part around me. And it's at that moment I realize something's got to change. We have to get back to the basics. Prayer, fasting, 
praising, reading his word, sacrifices to God, New Testament, New Covenant sacrifices that are spiritual. Don't just give lip service to your brethren when they're in need. Find out how you can help them because the sacrifices of God are holy. And we serve a holy God that is looking for holy people. Tonight, or whenever you hear this, make the change. God is calling us to be his people. I want to close in prayer. Father, we repent for committing the abomination of desolation in our hearts. When we have taken away the daily sacrifice, Lord, and we set up false idols and ungodly sacrifices in our own lives to replace the true worship, Lord, that you are due and worthy. Lord, we repent and ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name for this, Lord. Forgive us for where we have failed, Lord, to do the things that you've called us to because we know that the things that you've asked us to do, they are good for us and they are good for those that are around us. So, Lord, we want to recommit and say, God, please forgive us this and help us to walk in the ways of holiness. Lord, I repent for where we have disregarded the holy things of God. Lord, I ask that you would help that believer right now that is listening to this program that maybe thinks they've gone too far, maybe thinks they're too lost, Lord. Remind them that nobody is beyond the outstretched arm of the Lord. And that just like the lady with the issue of blood, when she reached out to touch the hem of your garment, Lord, because she knew that there were healing in your wings, Lord, may we reach out with our spiritual arms now and grab the hem of your garment, Lord, as we fall to our knees and cry out because the brokenness of God's people is a sacrifice to the Lord. And Lord, we call upon you to please bring healing. Thank you, God. I ask this in Yeshua's powerful name. Amen. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion.